does it mean to be UMC? Each episode of this podcast series explores that question with clergy and laity at the East Ohio Conference sharing stories of how lives are being transformed through the ministries of the United Methodist Church. This is Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. Hello and welcome to Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. On this episode, we're going to explore Lighthouse Churches with Reverend Beth Ortiz, who has invited a panel of some local members of the East Ohio Conference, and we're going to dive in deep and explore just what those are, their new idea here in the conference. So Beth, welcome to the podcast again. You've been a, a guest a couple of times already. I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you to lead our discussion today. So why don't you take a minute, and for anyone who may or may not have listened to episodes featuring you, and introduce yourself, and then uh, welcome our panel on board and let us know who they are. Well, thanks, Brett. And I would like to say I'm very excited uh, to talk about Lighthouse Churches. Pretty much actually anytime somebody will let me. Uh, so if, if we haven't had the pleasure to meet, I am Reverend Beth Ortiz, and I am currently appointed in our Connectional Ministries Office in the Department of Strategic Ministries. And for our conversation today, I think probably the most important factor is that I'm also the Lighthouse Coordinator, uh, not the main trainer and certainly not the main doer of the Lighthouse Initiative, but the person who provides some of the coordination. And I'll turn to the others to let them introduce themselves and start with Seth. I'm uh, Reverend Seth Filburn. I'm the pastor at Lincoln Avenue Methodist Church in Shadyside and I've been there starting year six. I guess one of the things I've been in the habit of saying in introductions is I have four children and one wife and uh, we, we have just a, a neat opportunity over there. We're kind of all the way on the on the eastern side of the conference over by the river and and we kind of have an interesting ministry opportunity and different um i guess when talking about lighthouse churches some some unique opportunities over there i feel that this will benefit uh, that area and an opportunity for for welcome there scott my name is scott whitehurst i'm the uh, lay leader to conference the stephen ministry leader and the drummer in our praise band at sharon united methodist church I've been there going on 24 years. I'm married, got uh, four kids and a stepson and five grandchildren. Pamela? I'm Pastor Pamela Sayre, also known as Pastor P. I am the pastor at Huron United Methodist Church, and I just started my sixth year here. And I uh, live with a beautiful black cat uh, adopted on an Friday the 13th, named Ezekiel. What a very pastoral <laughs> name for your, your cat there. That is awesome. Well, I am, I'm really excited to be here with these folks. And I think for people listening, the first thing, as Brett mentioned, is the Lighthouse Churches are a newer initiative. And so I feel like I should just give a little bit of groundwork before I turn over and really allow the people living it out to have more of a voice. But the Lighthouse Church Initiative came about... Uh, in our response, as we recognize that there are many people around our conference and, and beyond, of course, that are struggling in this season. They have been worshiping or a member of a local United Methodist Church for, in many cases, decades or generations. And that church uh, decided that their future was not with the United Methodist Church. And so they've left the denomination, but these people uh, want to stay and uh, so the way we started referring to them around our office is those on a pilgrimage. Uh, and so these uh, pilgrimage is a holy journey in which uh, you're moving towards transformation. But it's also hard. Pilgrimages are not in general easy. And so the Lighthouse Initiative came about as a way to try and make sure that we had places for these people on the pilgrimage to connect and land. And thinking of the lighthouse imagery of this light that is out there for, for ships on rough seas, right, to help them have safe harbor, whether that safe harbor is for a season, as we recognize that maybe some people will settle in a church before moving to a different congregation that becomes their new home or if that is the safe harbor that becomes your home. 
And so the Lighthouse Initiative focuses a lot around hospitality, going well beyond being friendly, but really this idea of what does it mean to welcome people, not just into our pews, but into our church lives and into our personal lives as we start seeking uh, to work together. So I'll say uh, this came about through a lot of conversations and I, I can't give enough credit for our cabinet and, and the people I have a joy of working with in Connectional Ministries who really had a heart to try and do something. And we, we built this all up in the background And then I just sent out invites to churches that we thought would be good fits for this, churches that are committed to being United Methodist and who are also open uh, to being truly hospitable. Again, remembering that's going beyond friendly and who were also willing to commit some time to making sure that that was really as sharp as could be going into the season. And so we identify some of these churches and clergy, and then I just sent out these kind of random emails is what it felt like. And so I'm, I'm wondering, uh, Seth and Pamela, as you received these emails, what were your first thought about this invitation? First words out of my mouth were, woohoo! <laughs> no, because really it was like, okay, we're going to do something that helps us live into our call. Our church, um, the congregation is fantastic. And I I really felt we were headed in that direction anyway. So it's like it it helped us. I got excited because I thought we're going to have some help living into this and doing what we already were doing. We were going to learn how to do it a lot better. So I was really excited. For us uh, in in our church council meeting since last fall, probably in September or October, I had just mentioned in in conversation there's an opportunity for us to to make a decision as the council or or not you know moving forward with with uh with the direction of our church and staying united methodists or not and just to kind of put it in their heads um and their thoughts um as as times were or getting to deadlines and whatnot. So our, our church council was was prepped with the idea uh, and, and the, we had conversations about staying and, and continuing to be a United Methodist Church and they were pretty firm on that. And then this opportunity came up and it, and it just made sense. I also wanted to to mention I had a I have a, of my of my four children. One of them is a, a, my daughter's fourteen and. Um, the word disaffiliation had become part of uh, words that they had heard um, just when I'm at home talking, just in general things. And uh, one time at 10.30 at night, my daughter said, what does that mean, Dad? I had a, got a chance to have a, a theological conversation with a teenager at 10.30 at night, and it was just this opportunity to to just say, hey, you know, we have a youth group, and she's got her friends and stuff. We're just, we're just looking at ways to welcome all kinds of people, no matter what. And, and I guess those were a couple things that came to my head when I, when I thought about that. So church council had already kind of been prepped and on board. So it seemed to make sense to say yes. And then, you know, just some, some things with some youth and, and, and kids and giving them a place, a safe haven, I think is kind of some initial thoughts that I had when I got the email. Well, and I, I love that, that some of the thought was about youth or or maybe those not yet with us, or even uh, Pamela, as you said, this is work we're already doing and we have a heart for, but trying to find someone to walk alongside, because that's absolutely, in my, in my opinion, our, we are church the best uh, when we're thinking mostly about who is not yet with us and then how can we fully embrace them as well as, as recognizing, yeah, we do great things. And I think we have so many churches around our conference doing great things in the Lighthouse Initiative and outside of it. But this was... I I guess that makes me really happy to hear because part of my thought was that we lay a heavy load on the local churches as far as how how to live out a lot of this. And this was a piece where maybe we could walk alongside for a time and share that and share that load in a way. And I also I, I just recognize that as we talk about those on the pilgrimage, that they are coming to a lot of our congregations with some deep hurt or some grief. And it's a unique kind of grief because you didn't expect it. I have family actually who are those on a pilgrimage right now, my home church disaffiliated. And I have my aunt never, I don't think ever expected to have to try and find a new church home, but she's deeply United Methodist. And so now she's on this pilgrimage and it's hard. It is, it's really hard because you never expected to have to do it as well as just all the factors. And so 
I'm so delighted uh, by these churches and the leaders that are willing to step up and do even more or think differently or expand also that we can make sure that we are most ready for people coming to us, um, whether they're grieving from being on this pilgrimage or also maybe they're just on a personal pilgrimage. Life is hard. And I think a lot of guests that we might be lucky enough to see in the church are coming with a road behind them that we don't know. But we can often know that it it involves pain, grief, isolation, loneliness, um, hardship. And so with the Lighthouse Initiative, I just think this is a way we can make sure we're ready to embrace them. And so I think we've talked about it a little bit, but I, I'd like to be really clear on why do you think being a Lighthouse Church is important? And Scott, I'll turn to you to kick us off. And then Pamela and Seth, uh, you guys can just jump in. Well, to, to reiterate some of the things that have, have already been addressed I think that it's important because it is another opportunity for us to reach out and and to offer uh, a haven or a a soft place to land, if you will, to those who are lost or hurting or searching. And like you said, Beth, that they're on a pilgrimage. And um, I I just think it's important because it gives us as church and as our church congregation yet another opportunity to to be welcoming, to be hospitable, to practice what we preach, which is, you know, all means all, everyone is welcome with, with the that title of a lighthouse church. I love that. It, it's important because we are a, a beacon. It, it's, a, it's an offering to those folks who are on a, 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 excuse me, a pilgrimage. In reading this, this question pre-podcast, um, I just, I remembered a um, quote from Matthew that, uh, you know, I was a stranger and you welcomed me and what you did to the least of uh, my my people, you did to me. And that just, I think that really hammers that point home. Mm. I'm all about creating safe space. And like many other churches, we started experiencing people kind of migrating toward us even well before disaffiliations went through in June before churches officially left and people knew what was happening. They started coming because it was kind of a safe place for them to be. And we've kind of been a bridge for some folks um, as well as being a lighthouse. Let's stick with those kind of watery things (laughs) Um, (laughs) because we have welcomed folks in and they've spent a time with us. And then they've either gone back to their church that didn't disaffiliate, but is is struggling. And so they've gone back to help that remnant build back up the church that they once were. So we've kind of been safe space for that. Folks who've just like, they'll come here for one of our three worship times. Um, and then they'll go to the other church to support them as well. So I... I think the biggest part, like I said, is is that safe space um, and the connecting with folks and to know, to let them know up front, I think we're doing as well, that, you know, we're really okay. Because I actually literally had someone say, we feel like we're using you. And I'm like, no, that's good. <laughs> use the church. Um, use us for what you need in this time, because it is with heavy hearts that people come. Um, my church that I grew up in, that my great-grandfather did all the woodwork for, and disaffiliated, and it was partially the disaffiliation was led by one of my sisters. And that's been painful for my family uh, to the point where my mother is now a member here at here on UMC because she really didn't want to go through that whole process of looking for a church because there was tons where she's from tons of disaffiliations in that conference. So people are hurting because I didn't realize it as much until she was here this weekend. And I got to introduce her as one of our newest members and the emotion that was attached to that, not just for her, but for me And I think for our congregation as well, to know that we've accepted this person, we've welcomed this person um, who doesn't even necessarily live that close to us, but is so wanting to be part of United Methodist Church um, that she came here. So safe Mm -hmm. space. 
Well, and I love to, and I feel like this has been part of both your narratives, uh, which I, it, clergy and lay working hand in hand to to create this space at here and just seems like this is exactly what we're hoping for. But I love this focus that it's not on the church. It's not on, well, this is how we're going to get more members or more money, but this is use us, come, come and find a place, come, whether that's for always, you're for always home church family, or if it's for a season. And I think that's hospitality, which is this word we just roll over a lot. But true hospitality is for the person receiving it and not for our, ourselves. And I love that I hear that uh, just not from y'all, but in a lot of a lot of the lighthouse churches, this idea of I don't hear a lot of us like, oh, well, this is going to benefit us. This is really about the people we're hoping to walk with for a while. Yeah. An, an outward, an outward reaching out. Um, I, I, I see that as it's, it's interesting as you were sharing, Pamela, as you were sharing about your mom and just somebody coming in I, like that, I, I thought we, we've had a handful of people and it's it's different when on the first Sunday someone walks in your sanctuary for the first time, they say, we'd like our membership transferred here. They, they're coming with something because that's not normal. Normally people fill your your church out a little bit and then, you know it could be even months or years before they're they're ready to commit but um, in this situation you know with a handful of people then that's the first request they have like there's this deep something there right whether it's hurt or whether it's just like I know I want to stay Methodist and this is a Methodist church so let's get that membership over lickety split you know and and even to check each week after it's a different way uh, unless other Methodist churches have people asking them to be members every every time the first time they visit, it's that wonderful of a service. I know that's not typically <laughs> a normal thing, but um, that's been different. Um, but I feel like that's part of why it's important is people need a place to to land, and if we can communicate that that our our church is a safe place to land, I think that's good. And and um, I'll go back to to my I have two kids that are teenagers. I feel like it's so important for me to be able to say. Hey, any of your friends, no matter where they're at on what or who they're who they like or who none of that stuff matters. If we can make this a, a place for kids to belong, uh, that's what's to me is one of the most important things that I've tried to communicate to my kids and then to their friends that have collected at our house or at, or at the church or whatever it, whatever the, the situation may be. But those are kind of a couple couple things that came to my mind. Well, and I love this idea, too, that that we're able to say to those, whoever we might meet, that, yes, our church is a safe place for you, whether it's for a season to heal uh, or if it's your forever. But and I think in that, too, as, as we talk about that, this has been a unique time and we do have these first time guests even walking in, you know, with kind of their metaphorical membership letter in hand saying, mm-hmm. please take me. But it is a different time. And so I just think of the ways that that I feel like a lot of our churches are really kind of stepping up and saying, you're welcome here because here, what we're focused on, we're, we're focusing on hospitality. Yes. For how we're receiving you. But in that we're focusing on who God is calling us to be, which is we're focused on Christ. We're focused on scripture. We're focused on, on moving forward to wherever God is calling us. Cause I think each of our lighthouse churches, we don't try and make them all have the same vision or call. Cause God has a different vision, I think uh, for every church individually. So there's room in it for the church to be the church, but you can say, but you could come here and know that, that we we're focused on these things and you're not going to come back in the doors and we're not going to reinflict accidental hurt on you within that. So as we've gotten in uh, and we've had two different kind of starting points with lighthouse churches, we had uh, an initial first training in May and, and then we had a second first training in, in July. And this is, I'll be honest, this is a, this is a commitment on the behalf of not just the clergy, but the lady as well. We have monthly commitments as we kind of continue to focus on different aspects of hospitality because hospitality isn't just about that first time welcome, which sometimes 
we accidentally stop there and we don't think about the true kind of depth of hospitality. But so uh, all of y'all have been involved in in some training already and uh, you probably are aware more is coming and I don't want to get in how you feel about that because that might be negative for me. Uh, But I guess I'd like to know how have you seen uh, the people in your churches uh, rising up and stepping up in, in response to what's being offered? Well, I've been thrilled. I initially, when I got the letter, got a hold of one staff member and three of our congregation, which covered folks from all three of our worship celebrations and pretty much all of our age demographics. And everybody accepted right away. There was no hesitation. Everybody has participated fully and has been talking about it to the congregation in that. So we've been very enthusiastic about it. Again, we'd already started to see people. Um, We had spoken in meetings about the fact that because of another position that I hold kind of new ahead of time, some of the churches that were going to be disaffiliating around us. And so, um, you know, had said, we need to prepare kind of like what Seth was talking about, you know, his ad board doing stuff and talking about it is preparing to to welcome folks. And so this group has just jumped on and we have just continued and so I kind of think of it as a roller coaster with all da- downs and none of those ups that I hate climbing up the hill. It's been a lot of the easy riding for us. Not to say it's not difficult work, but we've been blessed that folks have said, yes, we need to do this. We need to be the church that God created us to be um, and truly welcome folks. And we've been saying all are invited, all are welcome, all means all for a really long time. And now we've got other people saying it. And literally uh, to the point where nobody's given me a hard time when I threw the front doors open, they're not complaining that the air conditioning bill is going to go up. So when we have worship uh, in the sanctuary, the front doors are literally propped open now to welcome people. And, you know, it, a couple of people were like, well, why are we doing that? Because we're welcoming people. We're literally opening the door for them. We also have an outdoor worship time where we literally went and bought chairs so that there are chairs for the guests because the rest of us bring our own. And so we set those up. So, And that's kind of becoming the mentality. We just automatically think of not the person who's already here, but the person who will be coming um, and so that I think it, it's been fantastic and it's been really well received. That's amazing. I guess I, I don't want to say I don't want to say it's been easy, but it's been a um, a welcomed, I guess, uh, language and, and the, the kind of the way in which we've been able to offer hospitality to people. One of the, the things I've been intentional about language is we'll go back to our our water based one is is people who follow Jesus build bridges. We don't build walls. And it's so easy to, to look around the landscape of our country and say, Oh good gosh, how how thick are the walls? I mean, it's like we got Jericho's all over the place, but if we can be people who are about building bridges, not walls or burning bridges, um, that language is something that I have used often over the last few years. And, and it sounds like panel, like you've, you've kind of prepped your congregation to fall into this with, with the language because the words we say matter. And especially if it's often with uh, our welcome or even, you know, throughout our sermons, some of the language we use can really, uh, I think create unity or division can create welcome or can go, I don't know about those people, you know, that kind of stuff. I've used, used, often used language like, um, it doesn't matter whether they're red or blue, you know, you know, these sorts of sorts of things. And, and I think as, as the leaders of congregations, we have to try to do that. And then it gives us our congregations, the opportunity to have something to step into. They're like, Oh, that's what it's called. Oh, right now it's called lighthouse churches. And, and that's how we welcome the stranger. That's how we represent Jesus well, or, or whatever sort of language or terms that we use. I, I think absolutely you're right. The language matters. And I'll say that's something our first training uh, was done by Jason Moore, uh, who's done some training for us before in conference and who I just really enjoy the way he presents and connects with people. But he really takes some time to to help us think about how our language sets up us and them things. Uh, and I think as Seth, you mentioned, even in sermons, and I'll say in, in my current position, I 
move around to different churches on Sundays, either sometimes filling pulpits or visiting or just wherever kind of how it unfolds. And so often I just hear statements like, well, as you all know, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, or as, as you remember, or as we always do. And that's not even getting into, of course, the church language that we all use, but utilize differently. Uh, so even longtime United Methodists, uh, sometimes I, I grew up without an orthex and that took me a while to figure out where that was. And I'm, I'm lifelong United Methodist. We just didn't have one. But so I think that's been one thing that I really appreciated in personally as in in some of the trainings is remembering accidental language that sets you know oh we're, we're the insiders and you're the person we allowed to sit with us for this session just a quick comment on that i know uh, we were part of that first training and i know one of the things with our hybrid worship that we're in now a days Jason reminded us about addressing the that audience that's watching as well. And that's even something some of our worship leaders since then, we've tried to be intentional about welcoming people that are there as well as those that are that are worshiping uh, remotely or whatever language that we use. But just to, to also I have a little X on the stage where I stand and I know that when I look at a particular angle, that's when I'm looking at at those who are watching online in the eyeballs. So also to be able to show hospitality to the people that aren't physically there is a challenge because it's not something that we didn't go to <laughs> seminary for that or, or whatever training, you know, none of that kind of stuff was there. It was just something we're kind of learning. And, and still, I know it's been a few years since since COVID and all those kind of things in this shift, but it's still something to, to learn and grow in hospitality and at least f- for me. So trying to be intentional about welcoming those that aren't physically there is, is, a, is a challenge from week to week. Mm-hmm. That's when I, I think may, you used a word there that I think maybe is a lot of what we're trying to get to in Lighthouse churches is we're being intentional. We have a lot of great churches uh, and a lot of churches that are friendly or even welcoming but sometimes it's just accidental. And so in that though, then we, we miss the, we miss the online or whatever our newness is. Right. So Scott, I'm going to tell you, I'm coming to you first with this question. Uh, Cause I almost jumped this question earlier uh, as you were talking about the welcome and, and that in scripture, how do you understand the difference between friendly and, and welcoming and hospitality? Cause we have so many churches. I, well, actually I'm going to say all of our churches say they're friendly. Um, I've not met one that owns like, well, actually we're, <laughs> we're a little, we're a little salty. You, we take a while to get used to, cause I would want to be pointed there. I'd be like, thank you. You're my people. We can be salty together. Friendly is very different. Friendly's easy but hospitality or welcoming is different. So can you walk us through kind of how you would say that difference to people? I think that being prepared for guests, which is what we are really concentrating on is our being hospitable. We can be friendly to each other. I mean, to our congregation as it is now, but that's really not inclusive Hospitality is inclusive for everyone. We're preparing for our, our, our guests. And without knowing that they are, are going to be there or not, that preparation, uh, the example I love, and I've kind of latched on to our, our chairs at our 8 o'clock service, uh, because right now we're, we're celebrating the service outside under a tent, and we have a little park that's part of our, our church. And so when we purchased the the folding chairs and put them out, you know, initially people at that service were like, what are these for? But that's the great thing about people are asking this question. They're asking about the chairs. They're asking about the signage. They're asking about the doors being open. So they're curious. And that brings them in to that hospitable nature, preparing for guests, being ready for guests and our extending our friendliness within our congregation, our current congregation, to guests, to anyone. Again, our, our another motto, which I love, all means all. That's being hospitable. Uh, the friendly, like I said, it doesn't include prepping for visitors, for guests unnecessarily. And you can be friendly within you know, the congregation as it stands right now. So I think that hospitable is, is the welcoming aspect and extending that friendliness to others who are 
looking to come to join us and choose us for their, their safe landing, their safe haven. As you were talking, I uh, I was just thinking just a week ago, uh, my youngest daughter turned five and we had a family celebration at, at the house. And literally we threw all the doors open with, you know, with screens in place. And as people came, I said, drinks are in the fridge, just get whatever you want. Kids just roamed our house. Uh, and I was just like, you know, just go where you want. Uh, I don't care. And a couple days later, it was election day and somebody came to my door to check if I had voted. And I was friendly, but it was so different because I opened that door and I left that screen door locked in between us and I was polite and I smiled and I made eye contact and I got her off my front step as fast as I humanly could. And I think that sometimes in church, we're friendly. We, we smile at the guest. We make eye contact. Maybe we say, glad you're here. I hope we don't say things like get off my step as fast as possible. But it's different than than inviting somebody to just make themselves at home. And so to me, I think sometimes we're really good at accidental hospitality in our house to those that are already with us. And in that maybe we're even good at hospitality within our churches to those already with us, but hospitality is for those that aren't with us. And so it's, it feels like a big difference to me. Uh, Seth or Pamela, do you guys have something to add? Well, I think it's like the difference between you're sitting in your pew, you see someone you don't recognize and you kind of wave at them and welcome them versus you get up, you walk over and you offer to sit with them or ask them if they need to know where the bathrooms are. You invite them. We have a coffee hour between our two Sunday worship times. You invite them and you wait for them and you walk down the hallway with them into the fellowship hall. And then you sit with them in the fellowship hall. That's a very different way than just saying, hi, glad you're here and introducing yourself. It's taking those extra moments. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about here is when you invite someone to come or they've come and you're introducing yourself is offer to take them out to brunch, you know, or next week offer to pick them up and, you know, take them either before, depending on which worship time you come, um, take them to breakfast or brunch or lunch, you know, invite them to the Saturdays at five worship time and, you know, remind them that, we have a potluck, but they're not expected to bring anything. Just come. There's always plenty. It's that extra step at, that where you actually put yourself out there too, because they're already putting themselves out there because they've come mm. and they've made themselves vulnerable. So you have to come alongside them and walk with them, not just kind of wave at them and say, hi, you know, but really, really include them, intentionally include them and make space for them. And I, I would just add that that's a that's a s- slow culture change too, and and a process. And um, whenever I think about culture change, I I have to confess that I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. And um, f- for years, there's been talk about culture change, and it never happens. It what matters is wins and losses, right? It doesn't matter if you got the the right coach or, or, you know, now we're working on a kicker. Hopefully this guy can kick anyways. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a process and it's the proof is in when you start winning games, right. For a football team. I think the proof is in when you, when you actually reach out and don't talk about reaching out. And so we're, we're you know, we're working through that process and it's not like, Oh, Hey, you know, all of a sudden we know how to welcome people. It's, it's a process and, and it's different than, you know, everybody jumping on the new person and for five minutes, the first Sunday they come and then that's it. <laughs> so we're trying to to create that culture of hospitality and welcome. And um, I acknowledge that it's a process. And uh, we're also trying to recover, you know, everyone's trying to recover numbers too from just the loss of of, of the last few years as well and, and attendance and, and giving and all those. So there's a lot of a lot of things going around, but this one definitely for me is as is an opportunity that can rise to the top to say if we if we welcome and if we're hospitable, some of those other cares will will fall into place and uh, and we'll be okay. We'll we'll continue to be able to serve and to and to be hospitable to to feed children to whatever your thing is in your community that you do well. If we do that, God will take care of us, and this is all part of that 
um, faithfully living uh, out our call. And I think you're right. As I mean, a lot of our churches, I don't know many churches that, that haven't had some struggles internally in the last few years as well. I mean, let's COVID, of course, was a great struggle for everybody in some way. You know, I, I don't know anybody that's like, you know, what was something that was great? COVID. Um, so it, it was it, it had kind of this universal negative impact, whatever your your version of that was. And then coming back has been disheartening for some of our ours that have come back in the building as as others have made a different choice to, you know, stay at home and worship or perhaps haven't just fallen out of the habit of worship and and not saying that as important. And I think that's something too is is sometimes we we become accidentally inward focused then and well we've had this hard time and so we're concerned but hospitality then invites us back into this god mentality of it's for someone else and so i think it's actually a great blessing too to congregants who've been with us through good and hard times to say i hear you and we're going to get to all the rest of those things but this being welcoming to the stranger. This is, this is what the Bible calls us to. This is what God calls us to. And as leaders, whether clergy or lay, this is what I'm, I'm also entering that call, acknowledging, of course, I think you're absolutely right. It's often cultural because we're not asking for one Sunday of hospitality, right? We're talking about uh, a hospitality nature and that, that takes time and it takes some some working out each church's unique. Well, how does this work here? How are we hospitable in ways that are authentic? Um, but it's is that I think it's exciting work, especially when you invite others into it. I I feel like people get excited when we we remind them part of what they're called to, and that's everybody's called to to be a particular person through Jesus. But we're all called to welcome. And I just think it's a really exciting vision to invite people into to help reset some of this maybe inward focus that we sometimes accidentally get. So I guess along those lines, uh, as, as we were launching this, I personally got a lot of uh feedback of the not positive kind from people who said we were just asking too much, that we were asking too much of the lighthouse churches, that monthly commitment was was too much and long trainings were just not going to work. And that in turn also then it was going to be asking too much of of the people in the church, that we would get the leaders and then they'd be expected to go get this. And uh, so this was a lot of uh, and, and well-meaning and I think constructive uh, feedback that I received and uh, I rejected it all. So it was well-meaning and well-constructed. And then I said, no, thank you. Uh, but because part of what I think is, uh, let's ask more. Let's ask more of ourselves and of each other, because when we ask a lot of of ourselves and each other in United Methodist and in Christianity, those are the times where we see that we start making progress. I think this idea that we can coast to some kind of kingdom come here has clearly not worked. This this idea that we're going to accidentally be biblically hospitable or we're going to accidentally learn scripture or we're going to just stumble into this with one hour on Sunday and that one one hour um, or two hours or four hours in some cases, if you have an ad council that they can't stop meeting once a month. Um, and, and so I really, to me, I think if we give people a vision and a focus and a drive and invite people to walk that with us, that they'll actually respond in a way that is more energy filled rather than less. But I guess what would be y'all's response to this idea that maybe people are just too tired right now or or too strained from COVID or personal lives. And so we shouldn't be asking more of our church members. I just think that f for me in my context, it seems as though leading by example is the best thing. One of the um, interesting things about the United Methodist Churches is we're always following somebody who did things differently than we did as a pastoral leader. And one of the things over the, it's it's still in process is, uh, you know, when you follow up someone who does something for everyone, it's very difficult to, to transition the congregation to, hey, we're going to do this together, not, hey, the pastor's got a great idea for the pastor to do. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, we're still in process of, uh, you know, s saying, let, let's do this together. So I felt like the, the best thing to do is say, I know this is hard. I know this is difficult, but I'm trying. So let's try it together. 
And that's about, that's about all I got. And, um, it's still just so, it's so important to, to be like Jesus. One of the examples I used a couple weeks ago, I had read a, I forget the title of it, whatever Shane Claiborne's newest book is. And he talks in, and early in it, he, he works in, in downtown Philadelphia is where he resides with, where, where there's a lots of need. And so they get food from a food pantry. And uh, he said, you don't just dig into donated food. You got to have it pass the sniff test first. And if it doesn't smell right, you don't eat it. So he used that example to say, if it doesn't smell like Jesus, don't do it. And, and being hospitable is something that really smells like Jesus. Being welcoming, being uh, open to all, those things sound like Jesus. They smell like Jesus to me. And that's one of the the examples I think that, that I've held on to that I'll continue to communicate with our congregation is this is the aroma of Christ smells like welcoming people to our church, no matter where they're from, no matter what their situation. That's what I've tried to use to encourage in, in the recent uh, past. Well, and I think to me too, uh, I don't see anywhere in scripture where Jesus said, well, follow me and it's going to be super easy and not time consuming. Uh, and, and you can do it on, uh, on Sabbath and, uh, well, Sabbath morning. Cause I understand life happens. you know, Jesus lays a really high level call before us and, and through scripture, I think we can see, and through scripture in life, I should say, we, we see a narrative of being faithful takes a commitment. And what we've done over the years is because we want people to be at our churches, we've just downgraded that commitment. So they just come, you know, I mean, that's something we're all guilty of. I don't, it's not just in the last, since we've been pastors or since we've been in ministry, but it's been something that's, that's, that's been over years, decades, probably. If we lower the commitment, we can get them to come to church. Which ironically has not worked. It has Stati- not worked either. Statistically, no. we have lowered the commitment and our, our numbers don't show <laughs> it. So I think also let's raise the commitment. It's, and, it's, it's like when I think about r- talking with my kids, I feel like if I yell louder, they'll listen more. And it just never happens. <laughs> I, I can, I can, my, my volume of my voice continues to raise and their behavior doesn't change. You know, it's, it's I know that's a little silly, but it's sort of how we how we how we've operated so just think if we keep on again keep on living by you know showing the example of 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 welcome and and continue really it's easy just preach jesus i mean because that's all that jesus does in throughout matthew mark luke and john and i think we'll be okay well i came to ministry after being a music teacher for 11 years so um as a band director and a choir director i always told my students you can always do better you know you're always aiming for that elusive perfection in music uh gee that's kind of wesleyan too we're looking going on to perfection and scott can tell you i don't know how many sermons that i include that we can always do better we've got to do better that doesn't mean we're not doing well but we can do better and we will do better. And so I'm thankful that none of my folks were like, wow, this is way too much training or too time consuming. It's actually spawned. We've had extra conversations and meetings and stuff to talk about things. And, you know, well, gee, now that we have this information, what do we do with it? And, you know, we've designed a whole new church logo since the first meeting, you know, so always can do better. And we just kind of keep pushing. And sometimes I do that subtly and probably Scott will say sometimes not so subtly, (laughs) (laughs) but like Seth said, it's leading by example. You know, I tend not to ask anyone to do something I'm not willing to do myself or put in time that I'm not willing to put in myself. And that's part of doing this. I think that it's really important and it's been important to me in this instance and in, in training for lighthouse that you know are, are you getting tired of this and that are are we growing tired of growing we have to keep in mind the folks who are on their crusade how tired they are how angry frustrated you know lost they may feel and we need to put aside our problems our complaints our our fatigue and think about them. I mean, we need to lay our burdens down and maybe hand them over to Jesus, just like he voiced to us and think about this very time that these folks are 
you know, are suffering and even maybe more tired than we are. We need to to lay those burdens down and th through our hospitality, w welcome them and offer them again a safe haven, a soft place to land, a place to rest, maybe. And uh, so I think the challenge is, is to always, always, always have have these uh, these folks, these pilgrims, the folks that are on a pilgrimage uh, in mind. And that's the reason we're, we're going through this growth. Well, I think that's a great way to look at that, at this refocusing of, well, yeah, maybe this adds some to my plate, but what is, what do others, what are others carrying? Because that's something as, as we journey together as people of God, those are those are our concerns as well. What, what hurt are people carrying and how can we step into that? And I just love this idea of hospitality because uh, as we see it in the Bible too, it really does. It asks of the giver. You know, we often see examples in the Bible of, of going out and killing dinner, which you didn't have the plans of doing that already, of giving them space to rest, to, to be clean, to responding to their needs versus what we perceive to be their needs. And I think that's something that I've really rejoiced in. A lot of our lighthouse churches are starting to think about not, well, just what do we want to do, but hey, we have these people coming. What are they going to need when they come? Yeah, we don't need signs to the bathroom, but they might, or they don't need to know that you're the pastor because we all, you know, but somebody else might. And as we journey more into this hospitality, as we go deeper in it throughout the Lighthouse Initiative, and we look not just at first time guests, but what does it look like to welcome someone from guest to regular attender to member to in the heart of ministry, both serving leader, disciple, all of those elements. And what does it continue to ask of us who are already there, because it's going to ask us to change. It's going to ask us to share. It's going to ask us maybe in some cases, even uh, to give away something we like. So somebody else can, can do it, you know? So I think there's this idea, this focus on, on the others and the, the biblical nature of it. And the, does it smell like Jesus uh, test, <laughs> I think is, is just so important and is something that, that I just really hope a lot of our lighthouse churches stay focused on and that I'm seeing that. I guess I want to very clearly say in agreement with what Pamela said, most of our churches in the lighthouse churches in many in the lighthouse uh, program and many who are not are doing good hospitality. We're not saying that you're not doing it good if you're not in this, but it is this idea of what we're called to is a per perpetual kind of seeking of, but what's one more piece that we can do to make sure the guest is welcome? I'm not actually sure my music teacher of my like eight years of oboe would agree we can reach it for music perfection in all cases. <laughs> but I do think from our, our collective Christian point of view that we can keep striving uh, within this. So as we, we draw it to a close, I just want to get a sentence or two from each of you, I guess, on as you're a lighthouse church, as as you're part of a community of believers who are offering this safe harbor to those who are on rocky seas of life, whether that is because of disaffiliations or if that's just because of their own pilgrimage, their own personal pilgrimage, what is your hope for your church as you're part of this initiative and for your future? I like to think that our success is is a being successful in the very things that we're striving for, you know, being the safe harbor, the soft place to land, uh, being an open door to all those who are searching for a new home who are on this pilgrimage, and maybe even earning the reputation that, yes, we are those things. But I think most importantly is that I think success will, will come when we are no longer accidentally hospitable but it's purposeful. It's second nature to us. It's what we've taken on as a, a brand for our, our lighthouse church is that uh, you know, we're, we're not being hospitable accidentally. It's intentional. It's purposeful. And it's, it's, our, it's our nature now. That's a wonderful hope. Yes. Seth? I think that um, if we can be a place of love and grace and welcome, and people can see that when they walk into the sanctuary. Uh, I've often said we get, 
you know, I, I know there's usually other opportunities, but there's, there's one, one hour of influence a week. And if in that one hour we can do our darndest to be a place where people experience love and grace, that's what I would see as a success, as a win. And, and if people come in there and they can, they can experience a bit of love and grace of Jesus in that hour where they're, you know, really not conversating for an hour, they're, they're worshiping and they're, they're hearing a sermon, but there's this sense that this is a place where I, I, I can be and, and become. Hmm. Pamela, how about you? I want folks to walk in and feel like they absolutely fit in, that they belong, that there is no question that they are welcomed, accepted, and included. And I don't, that is like Seth had said earlier, there's a process behind that. But as you are welcomed, it's like coming home, assuming you home is a good place. We're going to just make that assumption. Home is a good place. I want people to feel at home and comfortable. Much like you said, you know, you threw open the doors and people were just allowed to roam through your home. That's what I want people to feel like here, that they can just be who they are here mm-hmm. and be accepted for that. Those are Oh, man, I, I feel like you couldn't get any better hopes for what this this kind of initiative would do. And I think my hope for it is that as as hopes like that get lived out in the local church, that also that it feels a little less like you're the only lighthouse out there or the only island. And that by being together and not just in the trainings, which are, I think, very important. And I'm really excited about some of our upcoming trainings that we have and the way we start looking at hospitality, I think, deeper than than we traditionally have as we, again, we focus not on somebody as a guest, but to actually welcome them all the way in. But I think by being a lighthouse church, there's also connection between other churches, other clergy, other lay who have this same heart uh, so that we can learn from each other. Yes, but also just walk together and really join together to truly be that light here in East Ohio for all those who are on a pilgrimage. So I want to thank you three for your time today, but I want to thank you and for anybody who's in any part part of a lighthouse church. I do really thank you for your commitment, not necessarily to the lighthouse church initiative, which I do thank you for that commitment, but I thank you for your commitment that you have to those who are not yet with you so that they do have this place of safe Harbor for a season, for a lifetime. And they have a place where they know they can, they can rest, heal, grow and connect with Christ. So thank you all. Well, like Beth said, thank you so much for stopping in and and sitting around the table with us and sharing about uh, your own churches and your own uh, lighthouses in your community. And if uh, you listening to this episode would like to know more about lighthouse churches and how you can be involved, you can reach out to Beth through the Connectional Ministries office. We will uh, put her contact information in the show notes, or you can reach out to her directly through the conference website, eocumc.com. There you can also find a page specifically set up for Lighthouse Churches. There's a nice logo right on the homepage. Scroll down just a little bit. And if you click on that, you'll find some more information on Lighthouse Churches and even a list of Lighthouse Churches uh, listed alphabetically by county in East Ohio. If you yourself are looking for a Lighthouse Church in East Ohio, if you are on a pilgrimage yourself. You can learn more about the East Ohio Conference by visiting our website at www.eocumc.com or by finding us online at Facebook at facebook.com slash eocumc, on Instagram at eocumc, or on Twitter at eastohioum.com.